0: Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight-loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash
1: weightloss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the county result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app And you can also get reward points delivered too So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus Rewards registration required Points only on menu items Delivery fee and terms apply See mcdonalds.com
0: Welcome to the Scarf the War Proudly sponsored by the Players Entrance At Covent Garden Cafe And the Royal Oak
1: Edgley. Great flicker by Alan Armstrong.
0: Hello and welcome to the Scarf Begara War. Don't touch that dial because it's 2020 and dials aren't relevant to this. I'm Nick Lee and of course I'm not alone, introducing the main man, Russ Johnson. How are you, Russ?
1: How do you, you right?
0: Yeah, not bad, not bad. We've got a cracking guest today, haven't we?
1: Yeah, cracking, top top notch.
0: Brilliant. Right then, let's get him in. No further ado. (laughs) Minogue, Donovan, the other Minogue, Kylie, I think she's called, Foster's. They're all Australian exports, but they're not relevant to the podcast at all, and won't be unless Russ finally lets me do that podcast all about Harold Bishop. We're delighted so welcome to the show former county captain and all round good egg, Mark Robertson. Hello, mate.
2: G'day, gents. How are we? Thank you for having me on. You forgot Bouncer as well, mate. Everyone loves Bouncer. I know. I
0: should, I should have got rid of the Fosters for Bouncer, really. There you yeah. Go. There you yeah. It's always a good way, isn't it?
2: Thanks for the intro, guys. Really appreciate it. And obviously. Um... A pleasure to be on and uh, looking forward to having a good chat and a chinwag about sort of days gone by.
0: Excellent. So, I I think what we'll do, we'll we'll dive straight into it. So, your first experience of of British football was with Burnley, Uh, obligatory boo there. Um, (laughs) I'm assuming growing up as a young player in Australia, the dream must have always been to make it over in Britain. Was that the case?
2: Yeah, I'd say so. And, you know, not many people know, but my old man was a professional footballer as well. So I guess it was in the uh, genes, as people right. might say. But uh, he moved to Australia from Scotland with my mum. Uh, basically, I was just a surfer. So I was I was out catching waves in the morning and then I would mm-hmm. go on to school and you know, doing that whole sort of home and away business. And, um, and <laughs> somehow I become, you know, I'm not going to say unbelievable, but I somehow become half decent at what my dad was good at. And uh, from that, it was just sort of, sort of I wouldn't say plain sailing, because I had loads of hiccups along the way. But um, when I got asked by my agent um, to come and sign for Burnley, um I had no idea where I was going. I obviously, you know, I'd been around the world with the Australian uh, youth teams, but I'll tell you now, I'd never even dreamed or even thought about going to anywhere called Burnley in my life. And um, so, <laughs> talk about, you know, coming from down under, I think everything was thrown upside down when I was brought over to Burnley.
0: Because it must have been quite the culture shock as well. Because you mentioned that you were a surfer and everything, coming from that to like this tiny little industrial town in northwest England, it must was it a bit of a culture shock for you, or did it take it take a while to settle in, or did you just get straight involved?
2: Yeah, I I think I was kind of like a a rough and ready sort of bloke from Australia, anyway. But you know, we all know now. You know, me and you guys knowing that you know you get off Manchester Airport, someone there to meet us from the club. Uh, driving the sixty, the the sixty, um, the sixty six, the sixty five, all the way into Burnley, and mm. took me to Turf Moor to start with, etc. And um, and then I got put in a shit hotel, but um, at the end of the day, I was in there for three months, and and by the end of the three months, I was having a a cracking time, got to know all the people that. That uh, worked in the hotel the people from the club were great but yeah I'm not gonna lie to you it was it was quite a culture shock and um and I really second-guessed it to be honest in the first um at least first four weeks anyway but um yeah I think our first night out like a player bonding night was about two weeks in and then I thought I ain't going nowhere this is unbelievable you know
1: (laughs) So how did that come about then? That move to Burnley did did someone obviously you must have been scouted? How, how did they ring you up? Who 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 called you for that move?
2: Yeah, so there was a there was a couple of opportunities. I was playing um, in Malaysia for for the Australian national team in the World Youth Championships, um, and and I, I'd done pretty well. Um, I was playing first team football since the age of fifteen in Australia, so I'd sort of played men's football. Um, all the way through from fifteen, and I come over just after I turned eighteen to Burnley um, and Nottingham Forest, Glasgow Rangers, and Burnley were the three clubs that um, that we were sort of having a look at. I went in and met and trained with Nottingham Forest. Uh, I went in and met and trained with Glasgow Rangers. I went in and met and trained with um, with Burnley, obviously. But, um, you know, not to say that the others weren't great clubs, but Chris Waddle, you know, was really keen on finding me. Um, and, you know, Walter Smith was at Glasgow Rangers at the time. And, and I think it was Dave Bassett. Is that right? That was a- Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time, so if you can imagine, it was kind of like three good clubs. Um, you know, I had an opportunity to stay at Rangers for a bit longer. So there was me, uh, Rennie Gattuso, and Jonathan Jensen. Oh, wow. So, so us with we were the three boys that were sort of training at the time. No one knew any of us really because we were all so young. Um, and then from from there, I sort of made a decision to not stay. For the period of time that the other two did, and I, I took up the contract at Burnley. So, should I have stayed and 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 seen it out? Potentially, the other two boys signed. Um, it was a, it was going to be like a four week sort of training uh, camp that I was going to have with with the Glasgow team. But in the end, Chris Waddle was was adamant to my agent that he wanted to sign me. The club was willing to pay the transfer fee to my club in Australia. Um, you know, the deal was good. And um, I guess the rest is history. You don't really know uh, where you're signing until, uh, until you get your feet under the table. And, you know, I, I don't know if Nottingham, uh, you know, was any better a place than Burnley or Glasgow or, or whatnot. I know, I know now, but, <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, I mean, Nottingham was great for, uh, you know, a night out and the, the football was good and, Glasgow was great the people were good but yeah you know, I still I still got great memories of um of Burnley I bought my first house um ever really at, at the age of sort of 19 I bought my first house and I brought my wife well my girlfriend at the time from Australia um so so we had a great life and um and then obviously you know the rest is history from there on in
1: I was going to say so cuz this is uh, this is the first time we've had um, I won't say a foreign player; that sounds derogatory. But a player from overseas, you know, and you're an right. international yeah. as well, which is yeah. um, bringing your bringing your girlfriend over. How did that work? Because you were a young lad going into a foreign country all on your own. Did you have to settle in for a certain time to know that it was, you know, you weren't going to go straight back and then say to your girlfriend, "Look, I think you should come over and we can we can make something of it."
2: Look, I, I think I think you know us Aussies, and and you probably know me well enough that mate, I'm just so laid back. I, I always say to myself, I was pretty well traveled around the world with the Australian team. And, you know, I'd been to China, Korea, Japan, I'd been to all these countries with, with my club in Australia. Um, so when the opportunity come uh, for me to come over, I reckon I was here about six weeks. And then I rang my girlfriend at the time. And I said, this is it, locked and loaded, we're ready to go because I come straight from Malaysia. So if Malaysia was in the June, let's say, the World the world Youth Championships, I come straight from there. So I'd already done uh, eight weeks in Malaysia in a camp plus the tournament, then I come here, so it was another probably eight weeks. So I hadn't seen her for like four months and then I just said to her, if you're in, you're in. If not, then... I'm doing it all on my own anyway, so you know, come come or stay. I'm I'm staying myself anyway, so that's basically how it went. And and she was, you know, obviously head over heels with me because I'm that, you know, that sort of a bloke. And um, <laughs> <laughs> she, goes, she goes, no, no, I'm coming. So she's from Peru. So my wife's like from Peru. So she she left Peru when she was um, seven years old. Landed in Australia at seven. Went to school. We met at school when we were fourteen years old and um, yeah we've been married for twenty I'm gonna say I'm gonna get in trouble here, twenty-one years, I think it is. So.
0: Well, i t I'll tell you what, if if you've got the if you've got the number of years wrong, just send us a message and we'll we'll dub over <laughs> yeah, it. Let's
2: <laughs> <for the actual laughs> say, oh, twenty, let's say twenty now or twenty-one, and then you can edit it for me.
0: <laughs> sorted, sorted. Um, so so you were at Burnley at a time where that for a few years there'd been a bit of a rivalry with was that something you were you aware of, County, while you were there? Because we were having a pretty good time of it at that point.
2: Yeah, you were. And look, um, you know, it was funny because when I was at um, Glasgow Rangers, um, I, had, I had a friend, um, Brian Reid, who was really good mates with Derek McInnes. So um, I'd had like loads of nights out with Derek and, and he was always like, so we, we kept in touch and so forth. So he was doing really well at um at, at at Stockport County and then Paul Cook come to Burnley when I was there. So I become really good mates with Cookie. And um so these guys are all talking about um, Stockport County and, and obviously you guys were in the championship at the time and we mm. were in league one. So um I sort of I sort of knew about it. I didn't know where it was situated geographically as such, but I kind of knew it was in and around the, the, the Manchester area. But um, I had no idea, I'll be honest with you, the, the scope and the size of the crowd and the passion of the crowd. I, I know everyone's passionate in England about their footy and, and, um, I'll be upfront and honest with you. I've never supported a team in my life. I don't even know how to support a team. I wouldn't wouldn't know any songs. I've got no idea. And as I said to you, mate, if I could tell you, I was basically just uh, a rough and ready surfer that come over and was asked to, to play football. And I just loved it every time I pulled my boots on. And whether that was, you know, training grounds or playing in front of small crowds, big crowds, massive crowds, nights out. I was just in for all of it, really.
0: Well, what you saying there about not... That, that sounds like a challenge for us, with you not knowing any songs I how to support a club. I think I think that's a, that's a challenge we'll have to undertake once we're all out to games again. <laughs> yeah, so I've got County in the
2: locker and stuff like that, but, you know, it's like County or something else, I don't know. But I, I haven't really got much of my locker in the way of... Um, my son supports a team and, you know, I, I watch him wearing his strip and stuff and I always think, oh, I wish... I wish I could support someone. and But I always just look at my old team, really. You know, County's one of them because it's so close to me right now. But um, I, I look more at the friendships that I made within the club and um, the people that I'm still in touch with now. And, and for me, that's, that's really important
0: that 's brilliant that 's brilliant so you, so you had after Burnley, you had a spell back in Australia and then a season with Swindon and then Dundee so yeah. after Dundee, how was it that you moved to county came about
2: so a really interesting one um dundee had had sort of like thrown a lot of money at um at the club and so they looked to try and rival Celtic and Rangers strangely enough, which was never going to happen. <laughs> um, but, but we signed players like Claudio Caniggia, Ravanelli, Spire, Katspire, Manzi, who was the Chinese captain at the time, uh, Zura Kishnashvili, Nacho Novo. Mate, oh you, the list goes on. Like our wage bill um, per month was astronomical. We ended up coming uh third uh, in my first season when I was there so we got into got into europe went into the intertoto cup etc um we played great football very flairy like football um so a lot of like flair players and so forth um so the club went into administration, mate, I had no doubt about it. It was going to go tits up at one stage. Um, Cause these guys were, were on fortunes to be honest, we were all on decent money, but um, so it went into administration and, and unlike uh, England, if a club was to go into receivership or administration in England, the PFA would step in and help you out. And they'd sort of be the mediator in Scotland. You haven't got a leg to stand on. So, um the, the the guys who were doing the liquidation come in, sat us all down and and basically turned around and said, Look, this is the story. We're gonna read out twenty names. These twenty names, you're no longer employed by Dundee Football Club as of right now. Um you you know, you've got no compensation. In fact you do have compensation, you're gonna get a penny in the pound. I still had eleven I still had eleven and eleven months left of my contract. Um, I had a property, I had a family, I had uh, cars and I'm no different to anybody else. I had a lifestyle that was getting funded by my job and only my, job. my wife didn't work. And so I've just scratched my head and went, What's, okay, well, that's all right. Someone will be able to pay us. Um, and then as of that moment, they read out the names and, and they were obviously getting rid of some, some guys off the wage bill. And my name was one of them. And I was sort of sat there and I'll never forget it. I was sat next to Ravinelli and, and he, he just sort of threw his hand up and he's, he's broken English. He said, it's okay for me. He goes, I have no problem with it. He goes, because I go back to Italy. And he says, I'll smoke cigars every single day of the week on the beach. He goes, but the guy sat next to me has a family, you know, round the corner um, and, and so forth. He said, "What's he supposed to do?" and and the guys, the guys shout was, and this was the chairman. He goes, "There's nothing we can do about it." And I just thought, you know, it's one of them where you get a bit of feeling in, in, in your mouth because you know the guy reading out the names and stuff was. Has never got an issue with finances or anything, have they? You know the chairman's always loaded. Yeah. So, so I was a bit pissed off with that, and yeah, you know, he went to shake my hand on the way out, and I just thought, nah, I'm not having any of that, mate. <laughs> That's poor form, poor form from you, you know. But um, yeah. So then, once the club went into receivership, um. Uh, Jimmy Nickel must have got a call from Sammy McElroy, and, and he basically said, Sammy McElroy said to, to Jimmy Nickel, He says, I'm after a midfielder. And he sort of went into what he was after. Um, he probably said, I want one that doesn't do any tricks. I want one that goes around and can enforce in midfield, pass a ball, maybe, you know, this and that. And um, he goes, Jimmy Nichol turned around and said, we played against Dundee not long ago. And there was an Aussie guy in midfield, Mark Robertson, done really well um, for Dundee. His name's been put on the list. So obviously the list was getting touted around um, for free agents. So so because I was a free agent, my phone went. Um, So Hessen Tyler from Gillingham had Uh, uh, contacted me. Uh, So I went down and met him and not long after that meeting, I got a phone call. I I come in from training at Gillingham and I had a missed call and, and it was Sammy McElroy. So I rang back and you can imagine, I thought, I thought one of the boys up at Dundee was just taking the piss, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sammy McElroy, you know, and I'm like, yeah, okay, you no, know, like, yeah, and, uh, and was, none of it. I was like, Yeah, okay, mate, yeah. All right, boys, stop taking the piss. And he, he sort of like he goes, No, it is Sammy McElroy. And I was like, all oh, right. okay. I said, Well, what do you want? And he goes, Um, I want to sign you and I was like, Okay. I said, Well, tell me a little bit about it. What's the script? And you know, he said, Oh, Jimmy Nickel. So he went through the story and I said, "All right, I'm in." And I went back into Hessen Tyler. I said, "Mate, I says I'm off." I said, "I've had a phone call. I've got a manager um, up in Manchester that wants to sign me. It's a lot closer to where my family sort of knows in and around Lancashire, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And um, so that was it. Jumped in the car, got up to to Stockport County. Sammy brought me in. He showed me around the training ground, showed me around the stadium, and um, and away you go. I was I, I was in. I was in for the for
1: the full stretch, you know. Yeah, I remember. I remember at the time when we signed you, I remember being excited. I mean, I, I, what was it now? It's like fifteen years ago. Wasn't it? Don't don't want to bring up ages here or anything like that. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I you know, I was uh, mid mid twenties myself. I was excited because I knew that you'd played for Australia. Um, oh, you you'd at least got a cap for Australia, hadn't you? Um, yeah. And you're quite quite a big name.
2: Yeah, I played for all the younger age groups all the way through, and. Um, yeah, and then obviously you know, there's a few bits and pieces we go into it later, but yeah, got got the cap for Australia. So
1: yeah, so I just I just remember thinking a uh, big name, big name for us at, at Stockport, can't we? I know we were we'd we'd come down from the championship not long before that, but yeah, I remember being excited and in that team as well. So that team, you were in the midfield with Lambert at the time, I think Ricky Lambert.
2: Yeah, yeah, we had quite a few of the boys. Um, Lambo is in there, obviously, um, mate. It, like if you if you want me to go into it, so when when um Sammy was pitching it to me, um you know one of one of the quotes was, "We're the bookies' favourite to get promoted," and I was hmm. like, "Right, okay." So tell me about who you've already got on the roster. Tell me about what your thoughts are going into, sort of like you know signing. And he didn't have to tell me, but you know I was kind of like more of a senior pro by then. I was I think I was like twenty. Would I have been twenty seven? I think twenty seven years old, something like that. Yeah. And um, so, so we could have that chat. And I was, it's funny because you know I've been speaking to my son recently about having the balls to speak to managers, and and I only really got the balls to speak to managers when I was like twenty six, twenty seven, and here's me telling him to do it at the age of 17. Ah oh, hang on his door, mate. ask him ask him this and ask him that and he goes oh really dad and I'm like yeah I used to do it when I was 15 and it, you know but so so I had these conversations with um with Sammy and he was quite open and honest and he, and he told me some of the boys. And in fact, I, I helped, uh, the club to sign, um, sign a couple of the boys. Cause he was sort of like, do you know, anyone else yeah, up in Scotland and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I do actually, there's a couple of boys and one fell through, but then we signed, signed another one, etc. And, um, so, so going through that, I was thinking, please, this is exciting. I mean, there's some good players there, you know, and, um, the, the ones that he already had he was going to he said you know I'll get rid of these guys they're not sort of like really our cup of tea and we'll bring in this one bring in that one and and so I was sort of sitting there going geez this is this is decent you know um so for me Ricky Lambert he, he was gold mate he was um he was such a good guy um Jim Goodman was there uh who else uh, Fraser McLaughlin was there who else we you know, there was a lot of boys there. Um, she was there, obviously, out out wide. Luke Beckett, um, so we yeah. had a- Warren Feeney as well. But, you know, Danny Griffin was there. Who Danny Griffin, yeah, Ireland. Uh, Rob Clare was a youngster coming through. Big Alby Wilbraham was there. Um, so, so we did, we had like loads of players that were still young enough. John Daly was there, uh, obviously, but we had loads of players that were still young enough to go on and achieve something so for me that was the exciting part I, I would go as far as to say i was probably one of the older older guys coming in there so sammy's you know talking to me about leadership and stuff like that and i never really had that at at, at some of the clubs i was at because i was always sort of the younger sort of middle-aged guy coming through and there was always a 32 year old or whatever but me being 27, I think I'm going to go as far as to say I think I was one of the oldest there, if not the oldest at 27. So, you know, the Alfie Lafondres and those guys coming through were were all geared up for like a Ashley Williams. Um, they were all geared up for, um, for a future in the game. So I kind of found myself as the, not the granddad because I was still in a <laughs> Certainly like a, a mentor, if that makes sense, to try and help the boys. And I, I kind of feel like, if I left any legacy, it was probably with those guys there to say that, um, you know, this is, this is how you should treat the game because you're not in it for a long time. And I kind of knew my career was coming towards the end. So without being doom and gloom, every training session for me, I hung on to and, and I made sure that everyone was at it. And every time we crossed the, the white line, I made sure everyone was at it to have a, a, a really good game and make ourselves hard to beat. But um, unfortunately, the ladder doesn't lie, and we ended up down in um in a position I didn't expect to be in come the end of the season. Put it that way.
1: Yeah. yeah so, the, so that the, yeah. So just go, going back to that team because I do I do want to get get into the ribs of this a bit. So obviously you've just named the two players, including yourself, on paper. Um, I didn't I didn't know that we were favourites to go up that season or favourites to win it, but we certainly had a really, really strong team on paper. And it didn't quite pan out like that. Uh, what was the feeling after that first game? Because I remember the first game vividly, you know, conceding two in the last, what, few minutes? Is, uh, yeah, a, score, a, yeah. yeah a, a long free kick as well that Cutler, could, Cutler should have done better on. And Cutler got an enormous amount of stick that yeah. season. Unfounded, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, so what was the what, what was the feeling after that match, and then and then for the few matches after, was was the feeling high that you you know you you could still do something, still had belief, or or you know what what was the feeling in the dressing room?
2: So we had um we had a um we had a great lead up to it, and um so I'll never forget. Right, we were sort of um we I think yeah we were winning obviously, and then they scored two. There was someone in the team, I forget who it was. i probably Hards or I don't know, some one of the boys had, had shouted, Hey Robo, uh win bonus on the way or something like that. And and we I looked at that and I thought, Fuck, who is who that, mate? I can't even remember who it was. And then so in my head I was chuckling, thinking we were cruising, right? Because we were doing really well. And then bang, the the first one went in. And I thought, oosh here we go. So let's see what, see, see what everyone's made of. And then the second one went in and we're all just sort of sitting in the changing room thinking that's league one football. And I hadn't played in league one since obviously um, being at Swindon. So I'd been up in Scotland for a few years and stuff like that. So I I just come in and just sort of knew straight away that you can't take the piss. You, You can't take the piss in this division because all the way through the 95th minute, someone can give you a sucker punch and, and that was it it was a beautiful a beautiful day I think the you know the sun was shining from memory the the field was amazing it soon turned to shit later on but um, the field was amazing and the fans were great and um, yeah. Look, I wouldn't like to say that the the whole season hinged on that first game. But um, to answer your question, I think the spirits were still really high. I still certainly looked around the change room and thought, well, what have we got here? What sort of players have we got? We've definitely got talent. Now it's a case of what sort of character have we got um, in the change room. I knew that Sammy Mack was was going to be a good character. Mark Lillis was a great character. We had Roger Wilde, who was a former player. We had Mm and then who is obviously a former player. So I'm looking around here going, mate, this is going to be no problem. We'll, we'll dust ourselves off here and we'll get straight back into it next week. And and then the game started coming thick and fast. And, you know, I think to answer some of the sort of critics, I would go as far as to say is we probably had too many good players, if that makes sense. It was almost like the gaffer needed to rotate. And I think if you went through and looked at um you know the squad that we had there was there was people dipping in and out for one game maybe they'd last two or three games then they were out for a couple of weeks and you know it wouldn't matter what team you put out there they were it was always a decent side but i think for the level of consistency that you you need in league 1 um we we probably could have had a little bit more consistency in the way of um the the players and their formation didn't change all that lot but i would say that um certainly in terms of the personnel and and don't get me wrong that can change through injuries it can change through uh suspension but i just feel like um it almost felt like every other week we were we were on this like almost like a rotation premier league style um looking to try and fit and trying to keep everyone happy you know
0: because because that that first week, of this I think we lost. Yeah, we lost at home to Huddersfield. Then the following Tuesday, we had another defeat by one goal. And then the following week, we went to Blackpool and won four 0 which a lot of people still put down as one of the great county away performances. Yeah. So it's a yeah, very strange one, very weird. But yeah, like like you said, it's a, it's a similar problem to what what Jim has now as manager because he's got this squad that's stacked with talent. So it is about finding finding the um the right balance, I suppose. Like you said, with the rotation and everything. Yeah, keeping, no, keeping everyone fitting up happy, yeah.
2: Exactly, and I think a lot of that, you know, ultimately comes down to man management. Now, if if you're Sammy McElroy and you've got the runs on the board as a player, as he did, it, it's an easy task. But, you know, Sammy being Sammy, he was never sort of like the fiery type and, you know, I'm guessing he wouldn't have wanted too much confrontation, but you know, maybe, maybe it might've been a case of just being upfront and honest with people and saying, well, you're not playing this week because you were shit last week. And uh, if you don't pull your socks up, then we've got someone else that's ready to jump into your position. And I think, I think having competition for spots is great, but this whole rotation thing, it's almost like, you know, if you're out through rotation, then you think to yourself, okay, well, I must've been okay, but I'm only out for rotation. Whereas I'd rather the accountability where someone turns around and goes, mate, you're not, you're not really at it at the moment. So I'm going to leave you out. And I think Johnny's at it. So I'm going to put Johnny in. And if you don't, if he doesn't do it, then I've got Peter, he's going to come in next. And and I think that's where you sort of create that winning mentality and that sort of, whole desire to say this is how we're going to win matches whereas I kind of felt looking back at it now you know we had some great boys a lot of them were just young boys and they were so honest and maybe at times a little bit naive but um, I just would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more you know a little bit more grit if that makes sense and Mm -hmm. a a little bit more of what the fans maybe had which was was you know removing the talent there's no doubt we had the talent it was mainly just for me um not even work rate or work ethic because we had that but um i don't know maybe just a little bit more experience would have helped them, helped us if that makes sense
0: cuz uh, it was fairly fairly early on in your in your spell at you want it when you when you got sent you got taken on the china trip didn't you
2: yeah yeah that was great yeah china, <laughs> china look i i think I wasn't supposed to go on the China trip. If if the truth be known, I I wasn't supposed to go on the China trip. I got injured, um, toward the end of the season. So I reckon I didn't play the last four games of the season. Mm. Um, and, and every season I never went on a end of season trip, even when I was at Burnley, because my missus was always hounding me to get back to Australia. So if the, if the season finished it, finished on 20th of May, um, and it's a Saturday, I'm flying out 21st of May straight to Sydney because, you know, I want to try and squeeze in six weeks back home so I can see my family and friends and um, whatnot. So I never used to go on that week sort of like uh, end of season, piss up and stuff like that to Ibiza and uh, like a lift or wherever the boys used to go. But my phone was always on. So they always used to like, you know, ring me and give me the stories and stuff like that. But so this time I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go back to, to Australia and, Sammy McElroy called me into his office on the, I'm going to say it, it was say Monday and the season finished on the Saturday. And he goes, he goes, Robbo, he says, um, got China coming up. I says, oh, yeah, I heard you were off to China. And he goes, no, he said, well, we're off to China. And Lil's was sitting there. And I said, well, what do you mean, mate? And he goes, I need you to come. And I says, mate, I can't go to China. I said, I said, I've already been there. I don't need to go there and have a look. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I said, I'm going back with my kids and my missus to Australia. I said, I do it every year. And he goes, No, he says, You don't understand. He goes, I really need you to come on this trip. And I said, What for? I said, Like, who are playing against and stuff like that? And he goes, Oh, we're playing against, you know, I don't know, some Chinese waiters or something like that out there. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need me then. I said, That would be like an easy walk in the park, that one. And, um, and he goes, no, I need you to, to bring the boys together. And I'm like, what I said, bring the boys together? And he goes, yeah, he says, we're going to use it as like a bit of a a bonding session, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, went home. I said, leave it with me. Went home, said to my missus, I said, Oh, the gaffers, um, the gaffer pulled me today. And he says, I've, I've got to go to China. And she looked at me and she goes, no way. And I was like, yeah yeah I said she goes you can't even walk you can't play and I was like yeah I know I know he wants me to just go and just be with the boys and he's going to try and use it as like a bonding thing for next season she goes are you serious she goes I've got to now fly with the two kids like 30 hours back to, to Sydney and yeah you know, I needed your help and blah 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 and I was like I know I know I said, it's just the gaffer needs me for this one and so I went back in and I said, Gaffer, I said, you've nearly cost me my marriage, mate. I said, <laughs> I'll tell you what, go on then. I'm in and I can help and blah, blah, blah. So he was over the moon with that. Mate, if I told you what transpired from there, it was just a, a great bunch of blokes. Um, some of the sponsors come on the trip. It was... Um, it was amazing. We got to Manchester Airport. I think our flight was something like 9.30 a.m. Um, from, from Manchester. So we got there at something like, I don't know, 5.30 in the morning. And and as soon as we checked in, um, I looked at the gaffer and I said, I'll just take the boys, you know, just into this, this bar over here, you know. And he goes... Um, He goes, all right, don't, don't, don't be too long. We'll get on the plane. I said, yeah, yeah, no, darling. So we've gone in there and we started scooping on the Guinness at half six in the morning. And um, so then, you know, each, each sort of lad would sort of like disappear, come back. And so then there was like final call, final call. And, and I remember a little Owen Morrison. He's like, ah, don't worry about it, mate. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there in time. So so I was like, all right, no drama. So we're all still sitting there and um, and the gaffer comes bowling in and he starts screaming. He's like, the the plane, the plane. And the, so we all sort of like grabbed our gear and we sort of, we'll probably, I don't know, if we started at sort of half six, we we're at least four or five down. <laughs> you know, we're sort of all bowling through to like the, the, the terminal, getting in, getting on the plane and, um, so uh, the the plane's ready for taking off. The the ladies coming around with like the orange juice and the water and and um. So I've just sort of given it. I remember this. I wasn't even playing, so I was like, get the champagne out or something like that, you know. But, <laughs> so the ladies like. So she's she's given everyone like a drink, and the gaffer was kind of a bit further up the front. So so I thought this is this is unreal, you know. Like so we're, we're all sort of having a great time, and so between here and China. <laughs> Our, our eyelids never shut so basically <laughs> we sat and talked and had a few beers and stuff all the way to China from Manchester airport so um I'll never forget it it was um it was hilarious it was um I, I don't think the hostesses had seen anything like it so we were, we were basically just absolutely on this jolly up <laughs> um, and playing well, that we weren't playing against, you know, the Chinese national team, or and then the sponsors were in on it. Well, there was cards getting broken out. There was, there was people that were probably going on business. You could hear them; they were raging. You know, like because it started getting dark throughout the flight later on, maybe like eight hours into it or something ridiculous, and you could hear people saying, "Shut up! Shut up!" And so Luke Beckett was sat next to me because he was he was like a good mate of mine. And, but we were just laughing, and there was like there was, there was frigging bottles underneath our chairs. We like, <laughs> Seriously, the lady have refused to serve us later on she was like you're not getting any more. And and we were like, I just just bring over maybe like a bottle of red or something. We'll just finish this off, and then that'll be up. <laughs> um, I was I was sick as a parrot when I got to China. The airport, I was like, yeah, dusty dusty for a good um good twenty four hours after that. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Great trip. Good memories. I'll never forget that. I really enjoyed that trip, to be honest.
0: Because we've heard before, I know a lot of the players struggled with the food over there. So do you reckon that's half the reason Sammy wanted you there? Because you've actually been there before.
2: Yeah, true, true. So I remember feeding horse to Bernie, So Michael Byrne, (laughs) it was was like far lap getting served up on our plate (laughs) there was like chicken feet coming up so I think I said to Welsh you got to get that down your neck for 20 quid and so (laughs) we had had like a good laugh with it you know and um um Doc Dawson was on the trip um so like all the guys we had like a super laugh with it and you know Sammy Mack um would get everyone down for dinner and um so the first, I think it was the first game, um, So Luke Beckett was probably was just sat on the sideline. Luke Beckett was playing and he was my roommate. And I said, I said, you can't play in any more of these games out here, mate. I said, you're, you're wasting, you're wasting your time, mate. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I reckon you do your hammy in this sort of like training session tomorrow. Tell the gaffer you're no good. And then me and you, we can just go out every night. <laughs> <laughs> the, next day, the next day, I'm sitting on the bench with, um, I think it was Lando or someone like that. And then I see Luke Beckett sort of like limping towards you. Right. Sammy McElroy goes, Robbo, Robbo. He goes, Is he your roommate? And I was like, Yeah. And he goes, no fucking doubt. <laughs> <laughs> He's come over. And so I've, I've, got, I've got up and I've walked 10 yards, put my arm around him. I said, I know you've had some injury history and stuff, Luke. Don't worry about it, buddy. We'll get you through this. We'll get you through this. So then later on that night, all the boys had to come down to reception in their track suit and, um, and obviously front for dinner. Well, well me and luke have come bouncing down in our going out kit so we're like we're dressed head to toe we've got the aftershave on the odorous everything you know and the guy goes hey beckett and he goes nothing wrong with your hammy now is there and i just, i looked at the gaffer, gave him a wink and i said you know what it's all about and he just sort of laughed so it was um it was good cool. i got my wingman luke beckett he was my roomie so we had like a solid, I don't know how many nights out, but, um, you know, the sponsors loved it. We, we got a chance to spend some time with them. And, and I just think that that summed up our period at, um, at at Stockport County was great bunch of lads. We had great team camaraderie. The sponsors were terrific. They were tipping their hands in the pockets and stuff. And I, I only feel guilty about, um, probably the way um, we sort of ended the, you know, that season in the way and the position that we did. But I never, ever expected it to turn out like that, not with the, not with the boys that we had. We didn't have an asshole in the, in the changing room. We had nothing but great um, staff. We had great fans and, and everything was just great. And uh, I couldn't put my finger on what it is that we should have improved on or we should have changed. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't turn out for us in the end, did it?
0: Yeah, that that's it. it's, like like Russ said up at the top of the show. It's just it was just one of those t- I think people have tried to dissect it for a decade and a half ever since to just try and work out why. But yeah, like you said, it probably was just a case of having so many players to keep happy, so many talented players like that. That yeah, a lot of teams struggle with that. We're not the first, and we won't ever be the last.
2: Yeah, and, and it's it's just hard because you know when I talk about Stockport County and. You know, everyone says, you know, oh, Stockport County, they sort of went on a downward spiral and stuff like that. See, I was watching that from a distance, and I kept in touch with a lot of the boys. So, uh, Ricky Lambert, Ashley Williams, who's still a very good friend of mine now. Yeah. Um, you know, we always used to touch base, Danny Jackman, Danny Adams. Um, so John Hardick, I was always like, guys, what, what's going on there? And they were sort of like, well, it's kind of in a little bit of a free fall, Yeah, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't directly after I left. It sort of took a bit of time, but it sort of started going down downhill. And I think, you know, the writing was on the wall in terms of the finances and stuff like that. Yeah, um, You know, it, it was sad as such, but, I, I I'm still very optimistic that that the club can get and will get back to where it should be in 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 future years. It's just a case of now, once you take yourself and remove yourself all the way down to where they did, um, then there's severe building blocks that need to be put in place. And I'd like to think the new chairman and Gano and and all the guys that are there, Steve Bellis and those sort of guys, are are building for the future. And you know I've always said you know I'd love to love to help where I can. Um, I know football is one of those industries where you've got to be able to trust people and, and former players I think should really build um, a trust level because you've already been at the club and if people know your character then there must be something that you can offer um, so so going forward hopefully the club can start climbing back up to where it, it possibly should be um, back in the back in the 2000s and well early 2000s really.
0: Um, yeah cuz that that was one of the that was probably the first county team that was really hamstrung by what was going on off the pitch and that's that's something that kind of continued for pretty much a decade after that it's only it's only the last four or five years it started really turning around again um so when when you're fighting a losing battle like that it's it's a miracle that some players managed to do as well as they did especially especially the players who went on to get good moves and players like Ashley Williams and Evan Wilburn and John mm-hmm. Bailey. They all did very well for themselves. Yeah, yeah.
2: No, I to- totally agree. I mean, I remember when I was um, when I was there. There was talks of um, of the training ground getting sold off. There was talks of um, you know a change in ownership. Um, the club actually um, offered me uh, you know a payoff towards the end of my contract to to try and sort of like have a look at you know changing the wage structure and stuff like that. So. You know, it, certainly, you know, I'm not gonna not gonna deny there was certainly some underlying factors to um, what then was the knock-on effect a few years later. Um, that was already in place, as you said, and I think the wheels were already turning for a little bit of a disaster. And then, um, and then Chris Turner come in the following uh, season when when Sammy Mack and, and Mark Lillis changed. Um, so so Turner and Westy come in and. Um, again, you know you're looking at you're looking at people that are coming in to try and change things, but really um, the underlying sort of like issues might have already continued to to sort of come to fruition if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to talk about Chris Turner for a second because um as a county fan base he's, he's one of the many people that we don't like, it's fair to say yeah. um but he, he he puts himself down and he, he advertises himself as a motivational speaker you know one of these guys that can stand in front of people and 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 give it a large one uh, did did that come across when when you were there with him did, did that sort of motivational thing come across cuz obviously the results didn't speak that way they they didn't ring true that way I just wanted to give, give us a bit of insight as to as to what he was like you know face to face
2: um so <laughs> So, yeah, well, I laughing. So the answer is no, right? No. Right. No, 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 no. um, so how can I explain this best to you and and, and be a, a little bit diplomatic in, in some respects? Is Sammy left, uh, Chris come in with Westy. Um, now they've come in with uh, potentially more of an eye and stick as opposed to the carrot. Um, and so we've gone from someone who potentially, uh, you know, was, was was the good guy in Sammy and the, the bubbly guy in Sammy and, and the very well respected player and Mark Lillis. And, you know, we had a lot of fun in training and stuff like that to, to a new manager coming in. And he's probably read the script and looked at it and thought, I tell you what, I'm just going to bulldoze in here and I'm going to start this and I'm going to start that. And um, so in terms of motivation, I, I don't think it was motivation. And as such, I think it was more, um, uh, you know, a directorship to say, this is how we're going to do it. And if we're not doing it my way, it's the highway way. And, and I, guess, I guess that works for some people, but you've got to remember, you know, the guys in the – I still think they were kids, mate. I, I still think it was kids that were coming through. Now, if you're going to, uh, you know, approach kids and you're going to, you know, bark the orders and do this, do that, some – not sometimes I reckon more often than not you don't really get a reaction for them and I think as, as the time went on I think the majority of the boys in, in the changing room must have thought I'm sick of this mate it's like almost like can't do anything right um, without sort of getting a tail up or whatever by by the staff so I think I think in that respect it, it wasn't motivational it was more sort of like let's do it this way, we're going to do it my way. And I get that because everyone's got their own philosophy and so forth with football. But um, I, I just think no to the motivation. I don't think it was like, you know, you you wind the boys up at the back or you throw a bit of coal on the fire. And I don't think it was like that. It was more a case of we're going to do it like this. And, um, and, and, and maybe, uh, just maybe, to try and help... Um, Chris, in that respect, is maybe he looked at such a talented bunch of boys and thought to himself, "You know, I'll tell them what to do, and they will do it, and we will get the result." But um, yeah, as you said, it, it clearly didn't happen that way, did it? You know,
0: how how long after Chris Turner came in, then did you know it was at the beginning of the end for you? Then,
2: a um, couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's wow. wow! Bloody hell! Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Look, it just wasn't. It wasn't to be, mate. You know, I looked at it and and, and it was just a completely different, um, as i said, it was just a completely different um, feel to the club. Um, it had become, I'm not even going to say more serious because we were taking it serious before. Yeah. But, but I'm going to say it, it just changed in a sense of, you know, people were looking over their shoulders. They were sort of like, you know, a little bit worried to turn down the corridor and it would just become really like... Um, yeah, really full on, if that makes sense. And I think for the boys that were there and and I was picking up a lot of the pieces because some of the young boys were coming to me saying, oh, you know, this has happened and this has happened. And I'm like, all right. So just stick with it. I said, you know, at the end of the day, we're a close-knit bunch of guys and, and we'll all sort of get through it and we'll get through it together. And um, but but as I said it, it didn't really strike a chord um, when when the new manager come in and that's you can't always say it's 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 the gaffer's bolt because we all need to take responsibility for it as well and and I think one thing to remember is there's no such thing as player power it's not like, it's not like the boys were going around saying, "Oh, we're we're going to down tools for this this gaffer," and let's not do it this week because he's this or he's that. It was more a case of, um, you know, the the gaffer dealing with with certain individuals, including myself, um, as to as to how our future looked at the club. So um, once once you do that, you've you've obviously got to see it through, and um, you know, I was just one of the numbers that sort of looked at it and went, "This ain't for me." Um, and you'll probably see throughout that season there was quite a few that started to drop off, and um, and then it was just the gaffer dealing with, with the younger ones, which um which probably didn't handle it as well as what some of the older ones like myself did. You know,
1: so after obviously left county, back to back to Australia. So what what I'm interested to know is um, obviously you played for Perth after that and Sydney FC, etc. I think you had a spell in FC Sopron. I don't know where they're from. but they is that a different
2: is that? Yeah, they're in, they're in Hungary, to be honest. Oh, right. um, yeah, so it's funny. I was, um, I um, I'd finished up at Stockport County, and you know, look at the end of the day, I there's no, there's no denying the fact my body was in 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 sort of pieces anyway, and um, you know, I, I'd opted to get um, surgery on my knee. Um, because my knee was w- was not great at the time. And so then that, that sort of snowballed the whole effect of, well, Robbo's no good to us anymore. Let's see if we can try and offload him, etc. Um, I, I still had a period of time on my contract and I wanted to stay at the club. So, um, But once you go in for surgery on, on an extensive sort of um, knee problem, you, you're going to be out for months and months and months. So I, I get it. You know, the club's... The club's probably not in a great financial um, situation and, and trying to get rid of players. So, so I um, elected to the writing was on the wall for the way I felt at that time and so forth. So I just said to my nephew, I said, look, I think a return to Australia would do us well. I'm going to be out for a while with a knee injury. Um, so go back to Australia, do the rehab, have a look at it um and then see what happens from there. So after that had happened, Perth Glory had um had approached me and and sort of said, you know, you're coming back. Uh we'd love to maybe grab the last year or two of your 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 career with us. Um would you be interested? And I was like, you know what? Um it's a it's a it's a fair way away from Sydney. However, um you know the standard and the heat and stuff like that might help me and yeah, there might be, you know, a slower sort of pace of the game and, and I might be able to get through another season. So I went over there and, and played for Perth Glory and it wasn't to be what I thought it would be. that um, um, You know, again... Uh, new gaffer come in um i was playing we had a good side um the 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 pace of the game wasn't as slow as what i thought it would be it was like young fit aussies that were 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 maybe not as good as technically as as what we had over here in england but it was still a quick enough pace for it to be um of a a, a very high standard so played at Perth glory for a season um uh, my agent said to me there was a club in, in Hungary that would like to see me go back to Europe. Would I be interested? I said, let's have a look at it. So I, I did. I flew to Hungary. Um, always liked to do it face to face. Went in, met the chairman, met the coach. The coach was Italian. Um, again, he sort of said, this is what I want to do, et cetera, et cetera. So, Mate, if the truth be known, I didn't even uh, go through a season with Chopron. I sort of uh, stayed there for I am going to say best part of three months. There was the winter break, um, looking to, to to almost get ready to play for them, and um, and my hometown club, you know, called me one one late at night and just said, you know, would you come back to Sydney FC? And my family was still in Australia, so I kind of lived in Hungary by myself for three months, which is a disaster on its own anyway. <laughs> my missus and kids were back in Australia and I went you know what I went and seen the chairman the next day and I said look as good as your club is and you know the Hungarian division was okay and and you guys have treated me really really well um, I still feel like to bring my family back to to Europe's not going to be the case and and I'd like to return back to Australia so um, I went back and joined Sydney FC so um when I first was six years old, I joined sydney City, which was the which is the former of of sydney FC so I kind of started at six years old and then went back and played at twenty nine years old for the same club and then retired from there. so I was an early retirer. Um, you know, I'd like to think that um you know all of those years of you know putting myself out and out and about and um, uh, as, as much as I could in front of um in, in front of the, the boys and say, right, I'm here for you and I'm ready to, to go to battle. I think it kind of caught up with me earlier than most and um, after 10 operations in total, I had, um, I so remember <laughs> so the, the night 10 times, um, I sort of looked at it and there was days where I was bumping my ass down the the stairs and my missus was at the top of the stairs and I'm getting to the bottom and I thought she couldn't hear me and then I'd look back up like a little baby and she said, Why don't you just give it in? you know and I said (laughs) I can't and started swallowing tablets to try and get rid of the pain and um, in the end it was Look, well, mentally, it was very, very tough. I'm not going to lie to you guys, but um, I think physically, it was probably the best thing that I done, which was to um, to throw the towel in at 29 and um, and move on to a different career, which was um, which was coaching.
1: It brings us nicely onto that, but I just want to say something first. So, am I right in thinking your whole football career was spent with your wife and kids, or wife mainly back back home in Australia, and you were? You were living alone in 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 different countries and and going back in pre season.
2: Yeah, no, I think the best way to put it is uh, my my son my daughter was born in Swindon, uh, so my wife came over with me when uh, when we were eighteen when I signed for Burnley, um, and then that was it. So we set up shop in in the UK for the best part of ten years, um, and, and we we would basically go home every every off. She's right. With, yeah. I had the kids over here. So daughter was born in Swindon, son was born in Scotland when I played for Dundee. Um, but the last, the, the latter part of my career, which was, um, which was the, the the part in Hungary for three months. I just done all that by myself because yeah, it was, I was a bit older then and, um, you know, we, we built a house and stuff in Australia. So it was more a case of um, leaving the kids to go to school. I think my kids, my daughter was in four schools within a year or something ridiculous oh. that. So um, my missus sort of in the end just said, look, you know, you go do what you need to do. And, and if you find pleasure in doing that, then that's great. But if you, you know, I was kind of like a nomad really looking, I think I was looking for something that potentially I was never going to find again. And I, and I think that was that that whole camaraderie changing room and um, having a good bunch of blokes around me, the fans. And I was probably, yeah, I was probably searching for something later on in my career that um, I probably should have just held my hands up and, and just went, your body's a crock, chuck it in now and, and, and see if you can do something else with it. But you know, whether it's pride as a man or whether it's, you know, pride as a footballer or whatever, you never want to admit that your knees ballooned up for training sessions and, you know, to be honest, towards the end of my career at um, at Stockport County. I think my nickname was Man Friday because the boys the – boys, <laughs> here comes Robbo. So I'd come out on a um, on a Friday, do the set pieces, and then obviously play in the game on the Saturday. And then I'd be back in the gym on the Sunday, Monday – back out on the field on the Tuesday night. Then I'm back in the gym, swimming pool on the Wednesday, Thursday, and then back out for the (laughs) – yeah, it was Fridays. Every Friday, here comes Robbo. But, you know, I just think that was was out of my hands. I mean, a a lot of the injuries that I had were, were tackles that I'd sort of made um, for the football club and, um, and and put myself through the ringer, let's say. But um, yeah, I think all of my appearances and stuff like that don't stack up to the, probably the career I should have had if I didn't have the ten operations. Put it that way.
0: Yeah, I think that, that's that's the, the main thing that annoys me about football fans these days is that they do seem to just completely forget that football's are still human. They've still got the same same worries and same problems that we've all got. Yeah. You no. Know, all, all, so I think I think it's a testament to your your mental strength and the fact that you can talk about it like this now, and you, you're obviously quite happy with how everything's turned out. Which is brilliant.
2: Yeah. Loads of therapy. Loads of um, bottles of wine and stuff like that <laughs> you um, Yeah. That's that was the, that was the latter end of my career. Um, once I'd finished as such. You know, I had loads of part time clubs, um, you know, asked me to to go and play for them. I had um, some clubs in Singapore and stuff like that, not far from Australia. But I think once you get to that situation where you know your body's letting you down. It's not even your brain anymore because you still go play five sides and take the piss out of the guys you're playing with, and you know all that sort of stuff. And you, you know, your ego gets a bit of a rub up, and it's like, yeah, but then you can't walk for three days, and you say to yourself, well, "What's the point in this?" Do you know what I mean? So. Um, always made a laugh about it just sort of saying every time I played towards the end I was going home to make love to a bottle of wine and Nurofen and Panadol I I didn't even get anywhere near the missus do you know what I mean Uh-uh. That's kind of that's kind of what got me through um, the last little bit. But even now, mate, you know, yeah, you could probably say that, that there's almost like a limp there, and I could do with maybe getting my knee sorted and stuff like that. But look, I, I wouldn't change anything, guys. And if I can, obviously, leave uh, everything on a positive, I would always say to a young bloke. Um, never let your pride get in the way and, and, and always talk to people. And if I had my time again, I'd probably be a little bit more upfront, a little bit more honest with people and say, um, you know, I'm struggling this week. Um, how about we sort of, um, you know, get this fixed earlier, get this operation out of the way and, and try and do things a little bit better than, than what I did, as opposed to trying to bite the bamboo and get through the pain and try and be a hero um maybe maybe just try and look after my body a little bit better than what I did and 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 prolong my career a little bit longer than what I did as well
1: you know you said you were a coach um I did I did want to talk about the the coaching stuff but we're we're running out of time but do you ever do you ever just fancy pinging one into the top right bin (laughs)
2: um yeah look so I a quick one I helped Andy Welsh when I first moved back to um um to this country he was he was coaching at um us at albion at the time and mm, he yeah. said robo can you come and help me so i went down and you can imagine well she was like a little whippet but i was like i'd put on a few few kilos so i was carrying a bit of timber and he goes yeah and he threw me like a um a bib so i joined in and and you can imagine some of these guys in in, in these lower divisions they had no idea who i was and so I just sort of went about it, and again, I couldn't walk for three days. But I certainly took the piss. Boys <laughs> <laughs> like, "Is this a new time? And I was like, "You're kidding, me. yeah." So I just come in as like a um an assistant assistant coach for him. But every time there was a spare bib, I was like, "Give us that, well, she, you know." So I'd, I'd throw it on, and um, and as you said, mate, I'd go about and and, and have a laugh. But no, nah, always keep it humble. I think. I mean even the goals I scored, I don't think I had any celebrations in my locker really. I was sort of, um, uh, I'd used them all up between the age of about 10 and 15 when I used to score 50 goals a season. Then um, <laughs> come to the professional game and scored maybe one a season if I was lucky.
1: So, so tell us about your lad then, because he plays, he's plays for City, doesn't
2: he? He's at Manchester City. Yeah. He's, um, I- yeah, he's a good kid, you know, first and foremost. Um, I'm going to say that, obviously, because he's mine. <laughs> uh, he's a good person. Uh, so forgetting about his football talent and so forth, he's um, he's a good person. He's got a good heart. Um, he's, he, he's fitted in really well to the English culture. I think, you know, yes, people can say, oh, he's old man, or tell him what's coming around the corner. But I think in football, you can't really... Um, I mean, you can warn people about what's coming around the corner, but I think you've got to have your own character, um, and he seems to have a great character in, in the way of the changing room. And, yes, he's an Aussie down deep at heart, but then he was born in Scotland. But now he speaks with a Manchester accent. So, I think he's more confused than what my missus is. Uh, <laughs> <in this country. laughs> but, um, yeah, he's, he's a box-to-box midfielder, some people say maybe like a Frank Lampard getting in the box at the, at the last minute scoring goals. Um, he can run, he can tackle, he's super fit. Um, so everything you would expect of an Aussie, really.
0: Uh, that's
2: it. That's it. So, yeah, look, it's a marathon, mate. He, he'll go through and we're under no, no illusion that he will have to go and fight and graft to, to be a footballer. And yes, it's nice to be at you know what people would classify now as, um, as a big, big club. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, if he was to end up at, you know, playing for Stockport County or playing for Burnley or Dundee or Swindon, you know, I think I think wherever you end up, if you're playing full-time football and, and you're, that's your job and that's your livelihood and you've got family to feed and you've got kids and so forth um I don't care where you play um I tell him I just tell him to to do his best and and he'll he'll end up where he is one thing I do do to him is I I kind of get him to lead a different lifestyle to what I led um and and I mean that in the way of you know I was always one to train and then go do extra so I'd always make sure I swam a kilometer in the pool after training and And then I'd go to the gym and I'd do extra and, you know, my body and physique was always strong. Um, But should I have been doing that? The club never told me to do it. The strength and conditioning guys never told me to do it. So as I went into coaching and management um, I worked with strength and conditioning guys that would turn around and say, you know, um, just tell the boys, this is the way, this is how much they have to do and don't do extra. So, you know, there's guys at Man City that are tapping the the coach on the shoulder and saying, right, Alex Robertson's had enough now, get him out of training because he's done enough and it's to then go home and and have his old man running down the, the block 16 times or something like that it just your body breaks down and and I think that's one thing that I've learned is um is do what the professionals do not not take it on your own back and say I need to be fitter I need to be stronger I'm gonna go punch out 20 bench press on 50 kilos or whatever I think listen to to what the professionals have to say and he might have a chance of going through his career with um, a lot less injuries, hopefully, and um, and have maybe more of a successful career, um, whether that's with Man City or, or beyond.
0: We wish him all the best. We'll certainly be keeping an eye on his career, and I think uh, any setbacks he does have to deal with, I'm I'm sure he'll he'll manage that with flying colours. What, yeah. what we. You having back. Uh, before we do go, um, is it? What would you like to say to? Is there anything you'd like to say to county fans before we go? Because obviously, it must be you don't get to say say goodbye to the fans properly almost when you leave a club. You don't.
2: No, and and one thing I will say is that um, for those fans that are out there that used to come and 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 wait near the tunnel. Um, for, for us to stand and have a chat. I'd, I'd probably be there, you know, right to the final breath and having a chat with people at the tunnel, whether that's coming out the back uh, into the car park and speaking to as many fans as as I could. And I can only talk personally. I'd be the first one in the players' lounge. I'd probably be the last one out of the players' lounge and, and just trying to talk to as many people as I could. And and I'm not sure why that was but it was more at Stockport County than any other club. I kind of um, put myself out there to be approachable, and I'd like to think I was approachable. And for every sportsman's dinner that I'd done back then, and even the sportsman's dinners done that, that I sort of still do now, um, I'd like to show my appreciation back then, and I still like to show my appreciation now because um, that's kind of the 12th man that I felt when I played at Edgeley Park was was the fans that were cheering me on, cheering the boys on. And, you know, for every tackle, for every pass, for every shot that I'd done, um, I never heard a murmur apart from a cheer. And um, I think they kind of felt the passion that I had towards the game. And and I think in reflection, I think... um, um, what I done was was played my heart out for the club and, and that was all for the fans and for myself and my family and the coaching staff and well it depends on the coaching staff uh, <laughs> and 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 the rest of what you do when you're at a football club so thank you to everyone that sort of supported me and my family there was there was lots of people too many to mention if that makes sense um, but I've still got some some dear friends from my time at Stockport County and a lot of teammates that I still keep in touch with now and I still see them and we still have a laugh and and there'll be memories that will happen for a lifetime and I know plenty of players that will go through their career and not have any friends within the game but I've got friends that sat in the stands and I've got friends that sat next to me in the changing room so I'm 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 a happy guy.
0: Well fingers crossed if we're ever allowed back in the ground again we'll uh, we'll see you at a game soon.
2: Love to, love to, um, love to be there and uh, love being on this, guys. And I appreciate you reaching out to me. And as I said before, it's, um, it's a pleasure. And hopefully I get a chance to help the club somewhere down the line and try and get them back to, to where, they, um, where they should be.
0: Outstanding. Mark Robertson, thank you so much.
2: Good on you, guys. Thank you,
1: Cheers, Mark. 90th minute all your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com even on a budget quality is non-negotiable